everybody wants you to be the version that they want you to be. And number two, people's own feelings keep changing. So one day they like you, next day they don't like you. And so what are you going to do? You're going to keep trying to please people. Hello, people. Welcome to the community of the Growth Mindset Podcast. Guys, if you are a first-time listener, don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening from so that you don't miss on more interesting episodes coming up in following weeks. And for our daily listeners, here we are again with a new episode where we will interview another interesting personality from a unique industry and understand how they were able to accomplish this great level of success. Remember, this is a podcast where we learn easy, practical methods and tips that we can implement in our daily lives from the very best and the most successful people known today. Because as we all know, success leaves clues. And we the people having the growth mindset will use these clues to create a better, more fulfilling and a successful life. So, let the growth begin. All right, first thing first, Ron, thank you so much for taking your time out and joining us on the Growth Mindset Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. Ron, now, where do we start? I mean, people know a lot about you from Instagram and a lot of content coming out of you from a lot of different channels as well, like Facebook, YouTube. But I want to start off with something where people might not have known about you. Let's say people who want to know your story, where Ron is all about, where is he from? Can you give us a walkthrough about your personal journey so far? Yes, certainly. So I was born in New Delhi, India, which is where I lived till my early teens. And parents were average middle-class parents. Uh, both my parents are very good people, God-loving, uh, worked very hard, educated. And then we, when we migrated to Australia uh, when I was young, uh, I had a lot of problems at school, uh, both in India as well as Australia. I, I was never good academically. I grew up to be quite rebellious because I felt that I wanted to do so much and I felt like I wasn't being understood. I also couldn't understand why everybody was telling me to study and get educated, but nobody around me was really living the life and lifestyle that they truly wanted. So I questioned things a lot. Right from the beginning, I used to question things. I never took anything at face value. Then people said, you need to go and study this, or you need to be good at math, so you need to be good at school, or you need to go to university. I always said, why? Because I don't know anybody that does these things who's highly successful, whose lives I'd like to emulate. So people started to see me as quite rebellious and argumentative. It was not my intention, but I just found it difficult to follow rules blindly. So I had a lot of problems at school, and I had a lot of problems at school here as well. I used to occasionally get into fights because, you know, when you're young and you have all this energy, but you don't have the ability to express that energy and you don't have the maturity to understand your own thoughts and emotions, then it ends scattering everywhere. Mm. And so I ended up developing a reputation for somebody that, was not as compliant and as sweet as most other Indian boys. And so, but it was never my intention. I never, I, right from the beginning, I have never ever felt any bad thoughts towards people. I don't have a bad heart. But there was things that would just annoy me about why people would just do things blindly in life and not question. And so I grew up kind of questioning things. This is just a part of my nature. Even now you'll see a lot of my content is geared around challenging social conventions cultural conventions, educational conditioning, media conditioning, because 
the way I look at it, and especially now that I've looked at all the statistics around why, how many people succeed, how many people are fulfilled, how many people are wealthy, I'm convinced now that the majority of what we have been taught doesn't work. Now, what happens is the moment you believe that and the moment you start challenging conventions that hundreds of millions of people in the world believe, you become public enemy number one for challenging things, right? And people start to see you as arrogant and they start to see you as a troublemaker and they start to see you as rebellious. But the fact is, I feel that as humans, we have this capability to question things and we must question, especially when what we believe has got us to a point where majority of people are unhappy, unfulfilled, not living the life and lifestyle that they want. They don't experience vitality. They don't experience energy. So part of my role now I see is in my spirit, I feel like I'm a teacher, but I'm not one of those academic teachers who teaches you theory. And everything that I teach is something that I have first dissected, understood, applied, got results from, and now I teach. So I have a lot of clarity on the things that I teach. Um, I consider myself to be somebody who is a specialist in the area of success, which is a very broad genre. But success is made up of so many different things. Just like, and I, I put a tweet yesterday, I said, just like a balanced diet is made up of protein, carbs, and fat, sustainable success is made up of a number of things, from mindset to performance to productivity, achievement, business, spirituality, and wealth. Mm. So, and I want to see more people like you. I want to see more you know, young people actually living the life and lifestyle that they truly want, rather than being indoctrinated to follow a life and lifestyle that other people want them to live. So that's really the mission that I'm on. And I love ambitious people. I love people like you because they have a fire, I don't help people that don't have a fire. I always say to people, if you don't have the fire, I can't give it to you. But if you have the fire, I can give you direction. The reason being, I was lost for so many years without direction. And when I found it, I always thought to myself, why is it that other people don't teach this? Right? That's how I've kind of evolved into the person that I am right now. And now I'm 43. I have, I'm a family man, but I still have a little bit of fight left in me. Interesting. No, I personally believe you have a lot of fire in you and you're definitely giving like a torch to you know, and guiding everybody else as well. Now, you've also told a, a very important point. I've also observed in a lot of new teenagers or let's say people who are growing up. You told that, you know, you had initially that fire, that, that energy in you, right? And this can get problematic at times because let's say we as teenagers or a lot of young people along entrepreneurs as well may not have the idea as to how to channel those energies. Sometimes people channel those in being aggressive, you know, being becoming totally rebellious and not channeling those energy in the right way when we can focus on what we truly want. How did you find that guiding light saying, all right, this is what I want to do and move forward? And what can people do to channel their energies towards the right goals or dreams that they have? Yeah, it's a good question. I think as a man, you can probably relate to this as well because women tend to be quite good at this. They always have this emotional intelligence. Girls tend to exhibit a much higher level of self-awareness and social awareness than boys do. Now, if a young boy, when he's growing up, is not very ambitious, then it's not a problem. He's not going to make trouble. But if he's ambitious, but he's not getting direction, he's going to automatically start to rebel. And that's exactly what happened. With and then the question then becomes, who are you surrounded by? Are you surrounded by good role models who have a lot of diversity of experience, maturity, the ability to communicate, and can they guide you or not? Now, most of us don't have people like that around us. So what happens? We then tend to become rebellious, frustrated, angry, 
And then, and that's exactly what happened to me. I was completely frustrated, always felt angry about the fact that I couldn't work out what was going on. I felt like people didn't understand me. People felt like I didn't understand them. So grew up with a lot of drama and a lot of problems in my life. And I think right up until the age of 31, because I was ambitious, I sorted out my career fast. So I started to make good money. I got up in the corporate ladder. I started to work for one of the uh, most prominent private banks. So from a money perspective, I took care of that just because money was a big driver for me. So I ended up getting a beautiful mansion. I was driving European cars. I was wearing two, $3,000 suits. I had a collection of Swiss watches. But at the age of 31, I would come home from my job and I, was, I used to feel frustrated. I used to feel angry. And I was having arguments with my wife for no reason. My wife is not the type of person who would initiate an argument. I was arguing. And then I realized there's something wrong. I have everything that everybody wants in terms of financial and career success, but I don't feel fulfilled. And I actually lack genuine confidence, which is why I feel the need to constantly have nice things because internally I'm not aligned. Now I still like nice things. I still enjoy a beautiful life. I still enjoy luxuries. However, this time it's different because I also know who I am and I've got inner confidence. So it was from the age of 31 that somebody suggested to me that you should get a mentor. And I'd never th thought about mentorship. And I thought, why do I need a mentor? I'm educated. I've got experience. You know, else do I need to learn? And only after I got a mentor, I realized that the education system teaches you a lot about how things work out there, but it doesn't teach you anything about how work, things work in here. So I didn't know who I was. Number one, I didn't have a good sense of identity. I knew what my occupation was. And I remember when I had a conversation with my mentor and he said, so tell me who you are. So I told him my name and he said, no, no, I know your name. I didn't ask your name. Tell me who you are. So then I told him that this is what I do for a living. He said, no, no, I didn't ask you your occupation. Tell me who you are. I started to get irritated because I thought, what, what's he asking me? So I said, do you want to know my culture, nationality, my race? What do you want to know? He said, no. Did you pick any of those things? I said, no. So he said, but so who are you? And it was the first time I had the realization that here I was at the age of 31, the world considered me to be successful, and I was absolutely clueless about who I was. So that's when my real education started at the age of 31. I'm 43 now. And we, I went through this entire process, which I found excruciatingly painful and irritating because every time I had to figure out who I was, I didn't know the answer. But so much of my identity had come from my culture, my race, my nationality, my occupation. And when I started to delve deep and I understood that our, who we are is actually defined by our purpose, why are we here, our passion, what do we love doing, our values, what is important to us, our strengths, what are we good at, our zone of genius, what are we amazing at, and our goals, what do we really want for our life. Hmm. Then I started to test this and I started to ask people, and I realized that majority of people didn't know who they were. So I thought, what a world we live in. We know how to do a job, but we know practically nothing about ourselves. Then from there, I started to study psychology because I realized that we don't think the way we think we think. That there is so much, 90% of our decisions are unconscious to us, and we blindly follow rules and conventions without ever questioning them because we don't know who we are. As I started to understand human psychology, I then started to understand that I was the one that was responsible for all my problems because prior to that, I was blaming my employees, I was blaming my parents, I was blaming my wife. I was always blaming someone else for my problems. 
I never ever took 100% responsibility for where I was, even though I was very driven. Uh, but every time something went wrong, I looked for somebody to blame. And once I understood human psychology and I understood the connection between how we think and the results we produce, I realized that I was the only person who was responsible for what I had produced. So then my real education started. I started to understand the power of the subconscious mind. I started to understand how to reprogram myself to become the type of person that I actually wanted to become, not the person who I thought I needed to become. And that's when my real education started. So even though I had career success, the difference now is not only do I make good money, I love what I do. Back then, I was just making money, but I didn't love what I do. I did not see a connection. There was no meaning and there was no inspiration in what I did. So that's the difference now. Interesting. Now, you gathered a lot of important points over this, what, you know, while we were talking and explaining as to how you discovered yourself. First thing I want to start off with is the mentorship, right? Finding good mentors. Now, if you go online, there are almost hundreds of mentors out there trying to tell you, I'll be your mentor. Let me guide you. But what do you think, Ron? How can people identify the right mentors for themselves? Where should they start? Well, I think the first thing is your mentor has to have the results that you want. I mean, they can't, you can't just teach from theory. You've actually got to embody the experience. If something magical happens when you've actually gone through the experience and then come out at the, you know, at the end where you've been able to make it happen. So that's the first thing. So pick mentors that have the results you want. Second, pick the mentors that are going in the direction that you want to go. Like, for example, if I want financial advice, I may know a very good doctor and that doctor may be very accomplished as a medical practitioner, but I'm not taking financial advice from them. Mm. Okay. Because that doesn't necessarily equate into them knowing everything about everything. So you've got to know, are they going in the same direction and have they got the results that I want? The third thing I would say is don't go for a mentor that makes you feel good. Uh, people are very feelings driven. You know, if we feel, if somebody makes us feel good, we automatically like them. If they make us feel bad, we automatically hate them. But we have to understand that feelings are not the best gauge of facts. I have this theory, put facts about feelings. Don't put feelings about facts. Mm. So I have, I've, been, I've gone through mentors that have regularly challenged me. And I regularly challenge my mentees and clients because I say to them, if I continue to tell you what you want to hear, then you're going to remain where you are. I must challenge you, therefore. So I think a lot of people will pick mentors based on how they feel. And I think that's a bit of a trap. If your mentor is constantly making you feel good and validating your decisions, when you know that your decisions are not getting you where you want to be, then that's not the type of mentor you want. Uh, the other thing is I think the mentor needs to have diversity of experience as well, not one-dimensional experience. That means that your mentor has actually taken a lot of risks in life. So they have a pretty good understanding of what works and what doesn't, and they're able to articulate those nuances, right? For example, when somebody comes to me and they might say, well, I need to become wealthy, you know, um, somebody might say to them, invest in cryptocurrency or invest in Tesla or do this or that. I realize how complex it is. It's not that straightforward. I mean, if you could just dabble in one stock here or there, or you could buy a commodity or a cryptocurrency and you could become rich, then everybody would become rich. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that I have gone through over 20 years of experience of financial struggle, then being financially mediocre, then being financially successful, then being superbly financially confident, having gone through all of those journeys means that I have embodied the experience and I'm able to now detect blind spots and nuances that majority of people miss. Hmm. So those are the sort of things that you want to look for in a mentor, somebody who's actually got the real life experience 
and somebody who doesn't just highlight the good parts of their life. They're not afraid to say that I embarrassed myself. I failed in this. I've had all these setbacks and challenges. I was a damn idiot. Somebody who can actually own that rather than somebody who's always portraying themselves in the perfect light because we know that that's not true. Nobody's true. perfect. Absolutely. And then you also spoke about that, yeah, you were always rebellious. You were always questioning yourself, which is also a great trait because you're not living by the society. You're not living by what others are trying to say, but you have your own mindset, your own goals and your own dreams and passions. But again, it can be a daunting task for some people. Let's say they know that they want to do something, but because of the culture, you know, in India, we are more family driven, right? Wherein we think, okay, what if, what my aunt would say, what my parents would, what somebody else would say, how can you think people can break out of those shackles and focus more on what they really should be doing in the first place? Yeah. I mean, the pressure to be likable is so strong. You know, who doesn't want to be like? Everybody wants to be validated. Everybody wants to be acknowledged. Everybody wants to be liked. But once you get past that and you don't care about likability, but you care about the truth, then you seek the truth regardless of whether somebody validates you or not. And I think first point is you've got to know what the truth is. Because as long as you're living in a state of confusion, you are unconsciously and naturally going to seek people's validation. And when you seek people's validation, that's not a game you can win. Why? Mm. For a couple of reasons. Number one, everybody wants you to be the version that they want you to be. And number two, people's own feelings keep changing. So one day they like you, next day they don't like you. And so what are you going to do? You're going to keep trying to please people, right? So what for me, I realized, if I can understand what the truth is, what's the ultimate truth, if I can do research and find out what are the real facts, that I have a moral and ethical duty to first put those facts about people's feelings. Because facts are facts, whether we like them or not, True. there are some brutal realities in life. So that's the first thing I did. Second thing I did was, I read, once you realize who you are and what you really want, that becomes the measure rather than what other people think. People's opinions are constantly changing. And let's be honest here, opinions are not facts. True. And True. most of what people believe, and I do this, and this is what my work, my life's work has now become, to demystify a lot of the stuff that people believe and demonstrate to them through practical examples why what they believe is not even based on the truth. And if it's not based on the truth, you have a moral obligation to seek the truth and be more loyal to the truth rather than be loyal to people. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not loyal to people. I'm loyal to anybody who also seeks the truth. But I don't feel any sense of loyalty towards those who are prepared to turn their back on the truth. Right? So there are some facts in life. One of the facts in life is that life is brutal. It's tough. It's not a bed of roses. The other fact of life is that inherently, a lot of people are lazy. People don't want to hear this. So people go, how can you say that? You know, how can you call people lazy? <laughs> so I said, here's what I want you to do. Go on Instagram and look at some of the pages that have the highest number of followers. I'll tell you what you will see. Women in bikinis, people who just look good, right? Demonstrate no value. And you see they have millions and millions of followers. Then you go and see the people who are actually preaching any type of truth or they're wanting to change society. And in comparison, they have very less followers. Not only that, studies now show us that the highest watched videos on YouTube are cat videos. Second highest watched videos are fight videos. Then you also look at, in our world, who are the highest paid people? Entertainers, celebrities, right? What does that tell us? So what do people, people are demonstrating to us that they're making poor choices yeah. and they're, hopelessly addicted, entertainment, sports, consumerism, 
and they're not risk taking responsibility for their lives. Now, according to global statistics, and I talk about financial responsibility a lot because I say to people that you're so busy denying money that even if you look at our culture, you watch any Hollywood movie, you watch any Bollywood movie, the bad guy is always the rich guy. And the good guy is usually the guy that's financially irresponsible. Yeah. You watch a movie, yeah. you watch a second movie, you watch a third movie, you watch the 10th movie where they show the, the bad guy as the money-minded guy, the good guy is financially irresponsible. What happens to your conditioning? Well, you start to attach honor to poverty and you start to attach this evil notion to wealth. Mm. Now, what happens when you get old at the age of 55, 60? You have no money because you never prioritized money. You were financially irresponsible. You neglected your financial future. And not only that, you attached honor to it. You know, I'm, at least I'm not a rich person, but at least I'm honest. Well, okay. But now you're depending on your children. You're putting financial pressure on them. You're putting financial pressure on the government. True. So what, how human beings twist things to suit their own narrative because we don't want to be disturbed. We don't want the facts. So part of my job is to attack that cognitive dissonance, that those cognitive blindness that people have, that those lies that people tell themselves. Because as long as we are telling ourselves lies, we can't move forward, True. right? So when I tell the truth to people, which sometimes requires me to confront people and confront belief systems and confront the way they're living, without attacking the individual, I attack the philosophy, I attack the belief system, a lot of people don't like it because I'm disturbing their whole model of yeah. reality, right? So then what happens is instead of looking at what's actually happening and looking at it objectively, their emotions consume them and then they will either abuse me or they'll mock me or they'll disregard me or they'll make me out to be this arrogant person. But the whole time they'd rather live in this state of passive comfort mm. because you know, I always say that the truth is so inconvenient that people would rather keep believing the lies that they believe. Mm -hmm. But the truth is many, many times inconvenient. And statistics are now telling us that uh, out of 7.6 or 7.8 billion people on the planet, 4.5 billion people have a net worth of less than $10,000. And a huge percentage of them, they have negative net worth. Damn. Right? And out of the entire world population, the number of millionaires is between 46 million to 49 million, which represents 0.6% of the world population. So not even 1% of the global population become millionaires. And not, even, and not that becoming a millionaire is even a big deal. So true, it's not even that true. becoming a millionaire makes you a wealthy person. A millionaire today means that you have enough money that you don't have to depend on anybody in your life. So imagine 0.6% of people get there. Wow. And how many graduates do we have in the world? And how many professionals do we have? Hundreds of millions. True. And not, not even 1% can get their money right. So there is a problem with our education system. People who even have the money sometimes don't have fulfillment, don't have inspiration, don't have meaning. So for me, it's balancing the physical world and the spiritual world and connecting them. They're not at odds with each other. In fact, a lot of people will say, I don't believe in spirituality. I'm just about career, success, money. Some people will say, I don't believe in money and success. I'm just a spiritual person. You know what? They're both as delusional. It's the integration of the physical and the spiritual with the magic. I love this. It's the integration of the energetic and the physical. That, and that's what people are not getting. And nowhere do you hear that. You don't hear it in schools. You don't hear it in universities. You don't hear it even with these spiritual gurus that are telling you all of this. A lot of them are telling you to deny things and act like money is not important. But we do live in a physical world, whether we like it or not. Right? We live in an economic world. And we've got to get that part right. Exactly. And you're so right when it comes to talking about, you know, most of the time we're just being unconsciously 
fed beliefs that, as you said, through our environment, through movies, through the books that we read, and people around us that unconsciously all of these things are is what we are basically picking up, and that's how we react. And ninety percent of the decisions, as you said, yes, are totally unconscious because we're not even sure or not even aware as to what we are doing in the first place. But how do you become self-aware? How do you break your own belief system? You face your own demons and say, "All right, man, you know all these while I've been believing in something which is nonsense." It was the society was feeding me, and now I got to break this. Are there any practical tips that you followed that helped you, which my listeners can also incorporate? I think the first one is before you ask how, ask why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I go to a job? Why do I listen to my parents? Why do I do a degree? Hmm. Why am I trying to become a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer? And most people ask the how question. So how questions are intellectual questions. Why questions actually tap into your intuitive senses. You become more intuitive when you ask the why questions. Mm. So everybody wants, how do I become rich? Why do you want to become rich? Do you even yeah. know why you want to become rich? And the problem is, every time we make decisions out of ego, or because we're seeking acknowledgement, or we're seeking validation, they tend to be the wrong decision. The why decisions actually require us to go deep inside and ask ourselves, why do I do I really even want this? Or am I just following everybody else and I'm seeking, I'm so insecure now that I need everybody's validation. I know this from experience because that's what I did. I do love luxuries. I love the nice life. Don't get me wrong. I love a good life. I have, I, and, but the thing is, in the past, it defined me. Hmm. It doesn't anymore. And that's the difference. Huge difference. So that, it's a huge difference because back then I needed it. And if I didn't have it, I felt like I was a nobody. Today, you can take it away from me and I'll build it up again. And my sense of identity still is going to remain intact. So that's the difference. So the why questions are very important. Secondly, understand that our intelligence, intellect is only one type of intelligence. There are four types of intelligences that I believe that are critical to our success. And one is instinct, which is a very natural inbuilt intelligence. Instinct is that you just know what to do without even thinking about it. It's just a very quick, because it's hardwired into us. A lot of our primitive instincts, primitive instincts like having sex, getting into a fight, uh, avoiding a painful situation, that's all instinctive. Animals predominantly live on instinct. And those humans who use, make most of the decisions out of instinct end up actually living quite animalistic, meaning that they, you'll find that they don't become very successful. Right? The second is intellect, which is where the whole education system plays. So the education system teaches you memory, reasoning, analysis, so all these hundreds of millions of people go through the university system. We, society says these are our most educated people, but they've only developed the intellect, which is left brain intelligence, which is yeah. the ability to follow rules, but they're not really creative, right? The third is what we call intuitive senses, your intuition. Intuition is stuff that you, it's like a feedback loop from the future. You, are, you already kind of know things. You are able to connect things. And you don't need a lot of data. For example, a lot of business studies now say that 60% of CEO decisions are made on intuition because there is not enough data to make complex decisions sometimes. And the fourth one, which is, I believe is the highest form of intelligence, which or even Einstein used to say that this was the highest form of intelligence, is imagination. Now, what you will find is that as people spend more and more time in the school and university system, they become more and more indoctrinated rather than educated. Yeah. So what... Yeah tend to happen is they have an overly developed intellect, but an underdeveloped imagination. So they don't create, they follow rules. They become, they want to climb the corporate ladder. They don't want to build a corporation, right? 
they may sell somebody else's products, but they will not create a product. Yeah. They may solve a problem that the corporation wants them to solve, but they will not solve a problem that they genuinely feel inspired by. So we end up then creating a world of hundreds of millions of people who just follow each other, look like each other, talk like each other, and they're afraid to challenge any of the conventions. And so social problems continue to prevail. We continue to have social problems in the world. Reading something the other day, and it said that in the 21st century, humans have killed more humans than the previous 20 centuries put together. Wow. So are we evolving? Doesn't seem like we are. And then on top of that, annually, we kill 250 billion animals, sea life, and birds each year. So what's happening here is that we are not really evolving. Technology is evolving, but the human mind is not evolving. Right? And that's because even though we became educated intellectually, we didn't become wise. Right? And that's Mm -hmm. the difference. And that's why I feel that the integration of academic and intellectual education with spiritual education and financial education is the key. Not, it's like you, you see a stool, it has three legs. And most people are sitting on a stool with one leg. The other two legs are missing. They're not financially educated. They're not spiritually educated. So even when they become successful in one area, which is typically their career, they still become a liability because they either become selfish, they don't care about anyone else, or even if they're successful in their career and they know how to make money, they don't know how to keep and grow money, right? So they're the gaps that I started to observe simply because I've continued to ask questions. And I saw that even since I've grown up, so many of the people that I grew up with stopped asking questions as they got older because they were afraid of asking questions. They didn't want to cause trouble. But the moment we stop asking questions, I believe we're not educated anymore. Now we're indoctrinated, right? Yeah, I'd love the part where you mentioned that, you know, because even I'm somebody who loves reading a book on psychology and understanding the unconscious brain, your conscious brain, how it works, how that fits into your warehouse and then how you use your decisions based on the unconscious patterns that you don't even realize. But then again, one thing that you also mentioned was the fact that the education system today, again, is, and this is my belief system as well, because education system is just like giving you a degree, which is just like a stamp on the paper. But at the end of the day, they're just training you to be, you not know, just follow your rules or make robots so that you can work in an organization, climb that ladder. But what about actually going forward and creating something of your own? That is something a lot of people are coming forward. And as you said, 0.6% of only people are millionaires. That's a huge difference. And we can definitely see why. There are only certain few people that are at the top and it's all crowded at the bottom. We looking at our own decisions, going to YouTube, watching cat videos. We are not even aware at times to what we are doing. We're just randomly scrolling without realizing that all of those images that we see are actually going into your unconscious and just sitting there. You would not even realize after watching three or four hours, the same thoughts are going to sit in your brain. And maybe after six, let's say a couple of hours, you're going to talk the same way what you're consuming. We are a product of our environment. And I love the part, and you also mentioned, you know, incorporating these three areas because I've met, I've interviewed a lot of successful people that are really successful in their fields, but not truly fulfilled or satisfied. And that's where the fulfillment part comes in, where you actually incorporate the financial aspect of it, the spiritual aspect of it. Now, I want to ask you this because we're talking about these three different areas. How can we balance this in the first place? Where do we start when we want to balance all these three areas of our life? Look. When we talk about three areas of life, and by the way, I've never, I just want to clarify, I'm not saying that there is no need for intellectual and academic education. I mean, I've got a master's in business, right? 
and I have various other qualifications that I need to be able to run a licensed wealth management firm. But did that make me who I am? Not at all. That's 10% of my education, if that. Yeah. So I have then gone and realized that, yes, that education taught me how to make a living, but it didn't teach me how to make a life. So then I took it upon myself to get educated in other areas where I determined that there was a gap in my starting with education of self, education of money and business mastery, education of spiritual law. So the integration of those three, when we realized, and we looked at all the mentorship programs, we looked at all the training programs, we looked at all the coaches and the gurus and the motivational speakers, and we looked at what they were teaching. I came to the conclusion that nobody was teaching you the integration of discovery and mastery of self, discovery and mastery of business and financial fundamentals, discovery and mastery of spiritual laws. So we decided to solve the problem by coming up with our own program called the MBO Success. Because we said success, and people said, but isn't success different for different people? Yes, it is. But the real definition of success is an individual's ability to design the life and lifestyle that they truly want. True. If most people were completely honest with themselves, they would realize they're not successful because they don't have the life and lifestyle that they truly want. And part of the problem is they don't know what they want. And that's where you've got to start, right? So we designed this entire program, number one. Before we ask the how questions, let's ask the why question. I mean, let's determine what success means to you. The first thing we would do is if we sat down with you, we'd say, well, let's help you understand what success means for you. Because if you achieve success and you don't have fulfillment, you just fail. True. You know, you probably heard the saying, there's no point climbing the ladder of success and then realize it was leaning against the wrong wall. Yeah. So we want to first find the wall that we want to climb. Yeah. Then build the ladder and then climb that ladder and only go as far as we want to go. As long as you're fulfilled and you don't have to depend on anybody else. And interestingly, studies actually show that there was a 30-year study that there are three major elements to success. Number one, identifying and living your life's purpose, which most people don't know what it is. Number two, striving to maximize your potential. So people who are actually striving are happier than those who are not. And three, making a difference. So not just serving yourself and your family, but using your skills and using your potential to add broader value in one area at least, which you may be passionate about. Because we can't, I can't do everything in the world. You can't do everything in the world. But you can do one thing that is aligned with your values. You can take one social cause and say, I'm going to fix this. But before I can fix this, I've got to become successful. Because when we say there are four stages, number one, scarcity. So mm. you, have, you don't have enough. Survival. You have enough, but just for yourself or even for your family. Success. You have more than enough. Significance. You have so much that you can give. Now, majority of people remain in scarcity and stay in scarcity their whole lives. You can see it in their decision making. They don't, they're not inspired by massive vision. All of the decisions are made from fear. What can I lose? But I've got to go for job security. I've got to go for this. I've got to go for that. I better not spend a dollar here or two dollars here or three dollars here because then I will have nothing. So 90% of the decisions are fear-based. Now, the moment you're in from in a, operating from a fear vibration, you will make inferior decisions because you're in survival mode. You're not in growth mode. Yeah. Right? And people don't, and this way we're talking about people are unconscious. They don't even know they're doing it. Now, according to uh, Dr. David Hawkins, who did this work around, uh, he wrote a book called The Power of Force. He said 80% of the world population is in low consciousness. Okay. 
And according to the Bharat Institute of Consciousness, they've done extensive studies on what countries are conscious and which, which aren't. India doesn't even rank in the top 100, despite its spiritual roots. Wow. Yet so many have convinced themselves that they're highly spiritual. Well, you, how can you be spiritual when majority of your decisions are coming from fear and control? True. Right? You're trying to control people. You're trying to control your family. You're trying to control your son, your daughter. And then you make all of your decisions from scarcity and fear. It is impossible for you to be spiritual when you act that way. Right? Now, this is a big, this is a big challenge. And I realize that. People don't want to hear this. But spirituality is synonymous with love, courage, and wisdom. Show me the love. When you're trying to control somebody, you're taking their freedom away. Therefore, there's no love there. Where is the courage? You don't go after your dreams. Correct. Right? So, and where do you seek wisdom? What, how do you indoctrinate it? You can't be wise. So what we ha- what's happening is we are not only moving away from spirit- spirituality, but now we're deluding ourselves that we're moving towards it. So now you've got a bigger problem because not only are we creating the problem, we're not aware that we're creating the problem. Yeah. Right? So that's something, it's not easy to think. It's not easy to fix because if I put content out there and people don't understand, they switch off, they're disengaged. I'd rather go and watch Shah Rukh Khan. <laughs> right? True. Because it's, it's, you are, you are, it's more engaging to the eyes. Exactly. And they don't want to think. So they'd rather go by what's... And that's why you know, influencers who have millions of followers are typically selling you something that is visually or auditorily more attractive to you rather than something that's going to transform you in the long term. And humans are demonstrating what they're attracted to because you can see who who are the most popular people. I can't even believe that I have the number of people that follow me based on the fact that I'm always challenging people. I mean, even that to me is sometimes (laughs) surprising. Um, But it does tell me that some people are starting to wake up and they are going for the truth no matter how inconvenient it is. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, I like that. And I think we are starting to move towards the low consciousness that we have been as a race towards starting to more. And that's why people like you are out there. Uh, you're wanting to have this dialogue. There are more coaches and consultants and speakers who are emerging now to correct the problem that the education system has created. True. Right. We're trying to balance it a little. We're not saying we're going to replace it. I think it's needed, but yep. let's balance it a little gone too far it's, it's overweight intellect but there is no imagination and intuition and we're losing our spiritual roots as well we're losing our spiritual connection so that's a very important part of my development because what happens is once you've done personal development and you've done business and financial development you know the next route has to be spiritual development because yeah. nothing satisfies yeah. you there right sure. so but unfortunately a lot of people what they're doing is they're bypassing the rules of success and they're trying to, and if you look at Maslow's hierarchy, he says, you first need is physiological. We've got food and water. Okay, you've got food and water. Second need is your security needs. You feel safe. Third is social needs. Do you have friends? Do you feel important? Fourth is self-esteem needs. Do you feel like you're making some contribution? Fifth is self-actualization. Now, a lot of people who claim to be spiritual, they have not taken care of their own life. They have not taken care of their own future. They have not taken care of their own family. And what they're doing is they're bypassing and escaping the challenges of the physical world. But rather than admitting that they don't have the skills to cope, they put a more positive narrative to it by saying, oh, you know, I'm a spiritual person. Mm. You're not. 
you are not a spiritual person because you're denying all of your damn responsibilities. You don't understand how the physical world works. And let's face it, you're a spiritual being having a physical experience. Therefore, you better master that physical experience. Yep. Don't escape from it. Sure. Right? You can't get to heaven without going through hell. And the physical world <laughs> takes a lot of hell for us, right? So we have to go through that and understand the ways that that work. Okay. And then move towards spirituality rather than trying to take a shortcut, which is what a lot of people are doing and deluding themselves that they're spiritual. That's my opinion. And I see a lot of people and I go, you just don't like the physical world and you find it very challenging. So for you, it's just an escape and spirituality is just giving you a very convenient escape. Yeah. And sometimes we also buy into this idea, right? That this is what it is. I mean, you don't need money. It's an excuse that people are giving not on wealthy stating, you know what? Uh, it's fine, even if I don't, at least I'm good. At least I'm somebody that is taking care of things. But end of the day, we know we are living in a society that actually has, because let's say if you are yourself are financially stable, strong, your family is going to be strong. And then you can even focus on somebody else and help somebody else. But let's say if you yourself don't have food on the table, how are you going to help the other person around? First, make sure that... But even if you have food on the table, let's face it, education costs money. Good food costs money. Healthcare costs money. Contribution costs money. We have this whole, a very distorted view of what humility is. So people will say, Ron, you should be humble. And I say, I am. And then I ask them, what do you think humility means? Humility doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. Humility means thinking of yourself less, which is a big difference. Yeah. So yeah. if you actually think of the people who are making not just enough money for themselves, but others, or making a contribution, or building infrastructure, uh, or creating employment, by virtue, they meet the definition of humility because they're thinking of themselves less. Whereas the person who only wants to make enough money for themselves and their family is not humble. And we have this distorted uh, view, you know, that, oh, if you're diminishing yourself, you're humble. Why should I diminish myself? Yeah. I mean, if you believe in spirituality, you believe you're God's child. Why would I diminish myself? I would not diminish you. I'm not going to diminish myself. If you want to diminish yourself, then that's just stupid. True. But that's what people do. They act humble all the while having no desire to add any value to anybody. So now we look at somebody like me who is confident and speaks my mind as arrogant and those who have no desire to make add any value to the world as humble yeah. or diminishing yeah. themselves. I made this correction to somebody. I said, they said, well, Ron, you act like you think you're pretty cool. And I said, yeah, I think I'm amazing. <laughs> but I also think, I think you're amazing too. Now, why would you want me to not think I'm amazing? And why would you want me to think that you're not amazing? And why would you want to think that you're not amazing? So true. I don't understand. But and again, this is one of those deep-rooted cultural philosophies that have been passed on from generation to generation. You know, and because I travel a lot and I've done events all over the world, and I have such a good affinity, everywhere I go, I make friends. Despite my controversial nature, one of the things, another thing I've realized, and obviously have more connection with India than any other country, I find that a lot of people in India will say things like, I'm a simple man, I'm a simple woman. And I say to them, you know, that is indoctrination because I have never heard any other culture say that. Hmm. Right? Why do you think, Ron, we say that in the first place? Because we have attached honor to it and we actually believe that we're simple. So no way humans can not be simple. Let's face it. Human beings are extremely complicated. Complex right? We're not simple. I mean, you know what's simple? A dog. <laughs> I mean, that's simple. Dog eats, sleeps, you know, it, it, that's simple. We're not simple. We have so much going on in our mind. 
and we're the only species that can think about what we think about. True. We're the only species that can create. We're the only species that can destroy at the level that we destroy. We are not a simple species to even pretend that you're simple in any way is an insult to our species, right? We're not. Somebody has an opinion. They believe that opinion. They don't examine that opinion. They start sharing it with other people. Hmm. Those other hmm. people don't question it either. Now that opinion is no longer an opinion. It's become a belief. Yeah. Then we start to spread that to more and more and more people. Now it's become culture. And then we pass it from generation to generation. Now it becomes tradition. So you take an opinion that becomes a belief, that becomes culture, that becomes tradition. And here's the risk. Once it becomes culture and tradition, nobody questions. Yeah, true. And we do terrible things in the name of culture and tradition. All human race, every single country. And because sometimes there are unexamined opinions based in culture and tradition. And I think the whole idea of education is to have, yes, I understand spirituality asks you to have faith, but it doesn't ask you to have blind faith. Yeah. Right? So we've got to be able to go, okay, this is why the system exists. Let's question it and let's examine are the negative consequences not exceeding the positive consequences? Why was this rule developed in the first place? It was there to serve humanity. Is it serving humanity or is it hindering our evolution? Mm. If it's hindering our evolution, it's time to question it or maybe make some adjustments. But people don't want to do that. They're so easily provoked if they're challenged. True. And, you know, George Bernard Shaw says, if you can't change your mind, you can't change your life. True. And it's also uncomfortable, right? If you want to really become somebody better, it's not easy. The road of self-improvement, you got to continuously learn. You got to surround yourself with people. It's hard work. You, you're an early liser. I'm a doubt. But end of the day, it's hard work. Reading books, attending seminars, working with mentors. It's real work. And people don't want to do that. They're like, okay, I have a job. I'm just work. And you know what? It's good. They're rather happy spending time on things like, say, watching cat videos on Instagram, following some influencers. I mean, it's fine if you like that, if that makes you happy. Is that making you satisfied? That's a bigger question, right? Because being happy... And it's not actually making them happy. It's giving them temporary relief. People exactly. People difference between temporary relief and long-term meaning, purpose, and inspiration, right? True. I'd rather go through short-term inconvenience and not have the relief and have long-term fulfillment, meaning, and direction than to have short-term relief and be completely confused and live in a perpetual state of doubt and direction being directionless. Yeah. And... Yeah. You know, there are first level consequences in life and there are second level consequences. And I've, now that I look at everything in life, I see if the first level consequence is easy and convenient, the second level consequence has to be difficult and inconvenient, right? Interesting. So all those people who are consciously or unconsciously choosing ease, all the problems are adding up and they're lining up and they're waiting for you. And here's the problem. If you have been avoiding problems your whole life, you don't have the skill of solving problems. So when they build up and they come for you, you're not going to be skilled on how to tackle them. Yeah. And they're coming. You, nobody's paid from it, right? So my belief in life now is that fill up my own life with problems that inspire me so that it doesn't fill up with problems that don't inspire me. Right? And this. that's what, and the moment you become an entrepreneur, the moment you become somebody who's a thought leader, the moment you decide to have a voice, the moment you decide to challenge conventions, you are filling up your life with problems. True make enemies you're going to be misunderstood you're going to be criticized you're going to be attacked but at least they're problems that have some meaning for you true imagine true. avoiding i mean all the people so many people who passed away from covid 
Can you imagine how many of them would have taken this safe route in life? Decided not to go for their dreams, not to go for the life, not to travel, not to ask that person out for a relationship because they wanted to play it safe. Yeah. And then bang, the life's uncertainty just comes and takes everything away from you anyway. And then you've gone over. What? I made all these decisions. Well, because there is no safety in life. True. It's an illusion. Man, this is great. I mean, there are so many important points that we have. I'm sure that people who are going to be listening to us better take notes because it's definitely going to help them. There's one question I do want to ask you around because I understand we are coming to the end of the discussion. It's around wealth. Now, what are some truths that you've realized when it comes to wealth? Mistakes that people are making that we should stop making right now so that we can build wealth. Well, the first one is that if you don't value wealth, you're not going to prioritize it. And please understand, making money does not mean that you value wealth. Making money can come from need and desperation. Valuing wealth comes from appreciation. It's a different, whole different skill set. Second, if you know how to make money, you still need to learn the skill of keeping money and growing money, which is a completely different skill set. Third, nobody becomes wealthy without a plan. Nobody. And even if you did, you're going to lose it. One of my articles, I wrote about prominent examples of people who made a lot of wealth. Lim Zero, Lohan, Mike Tyson. They learned how to make money, but they didn't know how to keep it and grow it. There's been tremendous, lots and lots of examples of people who won a lottery or had inheritance. Yeah. According to one American study, 75% of people that get an inheritance, that intergenerational wealth is lost by the third generation. So one generation works very hard for it, but the second and third generation don't have the skills, so they lose Lottery winners, they estimate that up to 85% of them go back to being bankrupt or being in the same financial positions within five years of winning a lottery. Yeah. So that's the, the, the other thing, that we can't make and keep wealth without a plan. The next part is there's a wealth creation sequence that you must follow. And anyone that breaches this sequence will in, end up losing what they've made. And I coined this term called SISPIP, S-I-S-P-I-P. And how it works is S stands for skills. First, you've got to have the skills, and we're not talking about skills that make you a mediocre income, but skills that make you a high income, and you can influence your income. Second part is the income itself. Your income needs to be more than sufficient to meet your living expenses and your lifestyle expenses, and you need to have enough to put aside for the future. Third S in the SISPIT model is savings. You must be able to save enough money to cover at least six months worth of your expenses. So if you lost your job and an emergency happened, then you have the money there. P, protection. As you're building everything, your income, your assets, your family, you must put a firewall around because it can take years to build wealth, but it takes months to lose. I, investing. Now you start investing and you do not speculate. You only go for the types of investments that have proven fundamentals. And then the last P, which is preservation. As you build, you put everything in a structure where it goes to your future generations and nobody can take it away. Now, this is how wealthy people plan. The average person has no plan, does not value money. And even when they value money, their question is, I don't want to plan this. I want to follow the system sequence. Just tell me if I should buy Tesla or I should buy this, and then I'll become rich. <laughs> so one of the fundamentals of successful investing, because you need to be a successful investor. You see, there are only two ways to become wealthy. Either people and systems working for you or money working for you. There is no other way. Hmm. People and systems working for you, meaning you're running a business. Money working for you, meaning you may invest. So most people have no plan to either have people and systems working for them or money working for them. Most people's plan is what? When they go out from school, university, what's their plan? I will work for money. Yeah. Meaning yeah. money is the master, I'm the slave. True. 
Yeah. So that plan is, it's a mathematical certainty that you will fail with that plan. It is guaranteed to fail you, right? In order to become wealthy, you either need to have people and systems working for you or money working for you or ideally both, right? So most people don't have this plan. So when it comes to investing, one of the fundamentals that we teach now is that all unsuccessful investing is markets-based. All successful investing is goals and planning-based. Mm. Okay. For example, when I work with my clients and I've been working, we, I have managed hundreds of millions of assets over the years. My clients are very disciplined investors who, and over the years, I have made millions for them. One of the things I have realized about those types of investors is they don't speculate. They don't try and get double-digit return. The types of plans that we work for them is that even if they got 7 to 10 to 12%, they will still become wealthy. Great if they get 20%, 30%, 40%, fantastic. But they don't need to, to become wealthy. See, that's a good plan. Yeah. If your plan needs a 20, 30, 40, 100%, 300% return to become wealthy, you don't have a plan. You are now at the mercy of luck. Mm. And the moment you're at the mercy of luck, you don't have a plan. You are not in control. So they're the types of fundamentals that we try and teach. And this is what we're trying to bring into India is mastery of self, mastery of business and financial fundamentals, and mastery of spiritual laws based on the truth, not some distorted version of the truth, which is keeping people struggling, right? So that's the mission that I'm on. And this is what I've been doing. And uh, you know, I sometimes surprised that people like you even want to speak to me sometimes, given that I'm always challenging. But I'm very grateful that you see and appreciate that what we're trying to do is driven by positive intent, your intentions. But we're not going to back down from speaking the truth if it offends people or hurts people, because ultimately, we may not care about people's feelings, but we do care about the results. And I think that's even important, right? Because sometimes people not even realize that though they are doing something that's wrong for them, they don't even realize it until unless you actually throw that truth on their face. And when they actually are awaken now to the fact that you know what though i was believing in that specific thing that's not the truth this is the truth and now even though it's uncomfortable now at least they're becoming aware and that's why i love interacting with you know diverse people that have diverse mentality mindset you're one of the other individuals as well who had a a total different approach and i personally believe the kind of work you're putting out definitely will awake you know awaken a lot of other different people that are sleeping that have not that basically have no idea as to how they're progressing in life but yeah some people are shows. I hope it, I, I have no expectation that it's going to wake up everybody. Someone's yeah, going to end up hating me. The number <laughs> of hate, the actual anger that's being directed at me and the mockery that's being directed at me is phenomenal. And I'm not even big. I mean, and, I just wonder what's going to happen if we did end up blowing up. What is that going to mean for us? Right? And it's sad because people are not seeing, they're making. They're jumping to conclusions based on what they're seeing on the surface. True. They're not really understanding and examining the intent. And they don't understand the problem that is taking place there. Yep. And so this work is not easy because I could just choose to follow the traditional path of business and I could become a high-paid executive in corporate and do very well for myself and my family. But the moment you choose to lead, you have a whole new set of challenges that come your way. And you will, you will find that as well because I can already see... Yep. You're one of those people who wants to not just follow, you want to lead, you want to create. You'll see when that happens, it's not an easy job. It comes with a lot of suffering and a lot of problems. Absolutely. absolutely. When you feel like you're called to do something, you've got to, you've got to do it, right? Exactly. The mission so, is important. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And you're pretty young at the moment, right? You're in your, what? 27. 20s or 30? 27. 27. If I knew half of what you know now, 
at the age of 27. Jeez, where could I have been? <laughs> I mean, I've spent 31 years of my life in so much ignorance. But the good thing is that if I can do so much in a short space of time from the time that I've had the awakening, then people who are younger than me, what could they do? Right? Ooh. I mean, imagine knowing all this stuff at 27. Where would you be at my age? Right? Yep. Hopefully, spreading more awareness and more messages to, you know, getting out the truth and people really realizing becoming more self-aware is, is even my mission to make sure I learn and I also share this learning that I have also learning. So I'm on a mission to make sure I get inspired and also inspire people along the way so that we all can become a better version of ourselves. That's my goal. I think you have a very critical role to play, even as a facilitator of these discussions and bringing them to the public. I think it's a very important role. So thank you. I always appreciate the opportunity to have a chat. And thank you for not judging me in a negative light, despite my controversial views and allowing me a space in the podcast. It was my pleasure, Ron, to have you here. This brings us to the end of this episode and hope you at least had one takeaway from this interview. If you have any questions or want to talk to me personally, you can find me at www.silavatirshad.com. See you soon.